My next guest is from Philadelphia. He's the first gospel artist on the podcast. He raps and does R&B music as well. He's fresh off the release of two new singles, Change Me and Be Somebody. It's my pleasure to introduce Jimmy Moore. When I was too young to push a door that was heavy Started writing these rhymes, getting these bars ready I could probably say that the vision in me evolved steady Used to dream of awards, getting my palms ready Life ahead me grow up kinda quick, yeah But my heart's still beating like a kick from sharpening iron Never listen to the snakes dishonoring lies Cause the fire of the kink is all in my eyes Try, it'll be helpful Cause God is much bigger than anything that someone else do My God will deliver you from the bondage and then bless you And the devil will do anything just to try to suppress you Just be a vessel, cause to need him is in our makeup Yeshua the deposit you need when your soul's been feeling bankrupt We only made for his pleasure, but you already know I guess this is the way that it goes Yes, I Back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Jimmy Moore. Hey, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have some type of sound when it come in, right? Yes, hell yeah. So, and you're from <laughs> Pennsylvania, am I correct? Yeah, I'm from Philly. Wow, you're the first artist that I've had from Philly. So there we go. Yeah, no, um, it's it's a, a Seattle-based podcast, right? Yeah. So my goal is to um make seattle a hot spot for artists to come through to do tours and things like that like we get some cool artists but like no one does like press tours here or anything like that so trying to okay. trying to make a podcast that's like the breakfast club basically yeah you know i understand yeah that's cool and then zoom is like a lifesaver honestly like i before zoom i was just i would only do in, in-person interviews like sometimes if artists came to town i'd go to their concerts and everything like that but like you kind of, yeah. you're stuck with like the local scene, not saying we have a bad scene, but no, I understand. I understand. But yeah, here we are. First Philly artist and first gospel rapper. Yeah. No. Nah, um, yeah, true. True. That's, I, I was watching a lot of interviews and I'm like, Oh snap. Now the pressure is on. Cause I'm like the first artist on here that makes like gospel music and stuff like that. But um, it's cool because at least if I'm, first in that category then you know i could open up the door for other people to want to come on you know uh share their uh testimony and share like their background and their history and stuff like that so i think it's a good thing you know what i mean it's cool it's good it's good to be first yes for sure i (laughs) i I agree with that so before we get into your new singles change me and be somebody i'd like to learn more about like your background so from reading different like bios and many interviews it seemed that you became a christian like later on in your teenage years and with that yeah. your music style changed also so like what made right. you become a christian and also change your music style yeah so um the strange thing about my story is that um i didn't grow up in church um i don't come from a religious household so for me um a lot of people that make gospel music or i guess for me since i make hip hop too you could call it urban gospel music cuz a lot of it is rap Um, a lot of people grew up in church. So the music is received differently because it comes from a different place. 
And what I didn't know early on is that church actually has a culture to it. Mm. And, and that's not something that I'm familiar with. So since I grew up in a household that wasn't religious, um, my dad is an R&B producer. So I grew up listening to a lot of R&B music. And when I turned probably 10 or 11, um, I decided that I wanted to be a rapper and I didn't want to sing anymore because it, growing up in Philly in the neighborhood I grew up in, <laughs> if you were looked at as a singer, then dudes would consider you soft. Mm. So I was like, well, I can't be a singer. I got to be hard. I got to be a rapper. Da, 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 da. So um, I decided I wanted to rap when I was probably 10 or 11. And um, it carried me through middle school and high school where it got to a point where I started to become popular in the area that I went to high school because it's a very small area. And um, when I was probably 18 or 19, um, Andre Harrell, rest in peace, came to um, the radio station that was in Delaware where I went to high school. And um, he compared me to Pharrell. Oh, shit. So like my head was pumped up. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I was the man for a little while. I thought I was all that. But after I graduated high school, um, I really had an experience where I, I realized that I had to grow up. And I realized that a lot of the things that I was saying was affecting people around me in ways that I may not have realized. So like my nephew listens to my, or my nephews listen to my music. And it got to a point where um, I had an experience with God and it really showed me, do I want to be responsible for saying certain things that my nephews are going to listen to that I really wouldn't want them to take on and take seriously? And would I regret that? Because my nephews are so young. It's like, I know that I don't really mean this stuff, mm. but they don't know that I don't mean this stuff. So do I want to say things that people like my nephews and young guys that look up to me are going to take so seriously that they might turn the, just these words into action? And how would I feel about that? So uh, probably around the age uh, when I was 19 um, was when I changed and I decided that I didn't want to make uh, regular hip hop anymore. And uh, that's when I became a Christian. And so I really took like a year off from music and I just I decided I just wasn't going to do it at all anymore. Mm. But God kind of showed me, you know, if I gave you a gift, I gave it to you for you to use it. I, I just don't want you to use it in a bad way. So that's kind of like the backstory about how it changed. It changed because I changed as a person. So I didn't become it, it got to a point where I wasn't comfortable anymore saying the things that I was saying before, even though I knew that I wasn't I wasn't serious about some of the things I was saying. I knew that if if someone else listening uh, would believe it, then I didn't want to be responsible for their actions. And that, I guess that's just part of growing up. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no real like disclaimers when you're making hip hop or music in general. Like, right. So you, you'll see the explicit sign, but no one really even notices it. Like sometimes when I see the explicit sign, or I think the lo I don't know if it's a sign, it's a logo, I guess, whatever it is, you know, the explicit <laughs> label. <laughs> yeah. I think of it as kind of like artwork. You know, because like some albums will be like a white background. Like I think Pusha T has an album that's just like a white background and then just has the explicit logo. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't even look at it as, oh, wait, maybe I'm not. Old. I'm, of course, old enough to listen to it. But like maybe certain right. people aren't old enough to listen to this. So it's. it's right. Right. That is an interesting thing. And that's like that's a very mature choice also. Yeah, I, I think that it's. It goes back to um, like the the opinion is very split on how serious people take hip hop music. Like some people say it's just music. It's not that serious. 
people realize that, you know, when you say certain things, you don't really mean them. But then there are some people that feel like as a result of the things that we say in hip hop, that's the reason why young guys have the mindset that they have when they go out here and conduct themselves in society and in the way that they do because they're copying us. And I think part of the reason why I take that so seriously is because the music that I listened to when I was younger, it really did mold my mindset in a way. Like, I'm not going to say that it, it shaped me completely because it didn't, but a lot of the music that I listened to that was very violent, it, it made me walk around in a way where I was like, all right, well, what's up? If mm -hmm. you ready to do something, I'm, and it's like, Am I really like that? Or do I feel like that because this the, the, the hip hop music made me feel like I need to be a thug? Like, I don't, I don't need to be a thug, but all of the music that I'm listening to makes it seem like if you're not a thug, then you're a square or something. And it's just like, I don't know if if I wanna if I wanna portray that. And and I think that in the neighborhood that I grew up in, it's almost like that's a survival thing where you kind of have to be hard because if if you're not, you're gonna be food. So I understand that, but I also understand now growing up, seeing people like my dad, who's not a thug, I, I realized that a real man can be strong enough to protect himself and, and strong enough to um, carry himself in a way where you know that he's not soft and you know that you're not going to push him around and you know you're not going to say nothing crazy to him, but he don't carry himself like a thug either. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So I think that's just kind of like the mindset behind not wanting to have profanity and stuff like that in my music. You know what I mean? Yeah, we look at celebs and artists as like they're our idols growing, especially when we're growing up, you know? Right, Like right. we see like a Jay-Z who has tons of money, gets all the ladies, doesn't have to work a nine-to-five job, but then the people right. that you're living with or like actual mentors in your community, they might be having those nine-to-five jobs and they might not be that glamorous. So you're like, right. what? would I rather listen to music in my headphones all day and listen to what they're saying when they have all mm -hmm. the money or should yeah. I listen to these people in our, my community? And it's like something you have to figure out, you know? And um, it's just, I'm not, I personally don't really listen to gospel music, but I can appreciate, especially how you're, you do your music, where, where it comes from, you know? Yeah. yeah, and that's the weird thing. Like the weird thing is what I've learned about gospel music recently is that gospel music is not actually considered to a lot of people a genre as far as a style of music mm. it's considered a genre as far as the words that you say mm. and i say that because i have probably like three or four different styles of music that i've made over the last few years and the styles are all completely different. Like they don't sound like they should even be on the same CD, right? But what I'm saying in the song is really just my life experiences and talking about my relationship with God. So what I realize now from people, from other people categorizing my music, not me, is that if I rap and I don't have any gospel style elements to the song at all, but I talk about my relationship with God throughout the song, or I talk about how I believe that everything is going to be okay because God is in control. People consider that gospel music because of the message in the song. Mm. So when I say gospel music for myself, I'm not actually talking about the genre that's, that's mainstream in the way that most people know. I'm talking about the words. And that's why um, one of the things that I promote to people 
is to find find as far as Christian artists, find the type of style that you like to make that you feel comfortable with making in your spirit, and just make sure that the words are you know words that are led by God for you to say and 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 what you're led to share uh, with people. And just use that. It, it doesn't have to sound traditional. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's what gospel music is about. I, I think it's more about the words that you say and not necessarily the um the traditional style. Because to be completely honest with you, I don't actually listen to traditional gospel music like that. I, I listen to some of it, but not all of it because I didn't grow up listening to that. So to me, it's very... It's very like foreign to me because that's not what we grew up listening to. We grew up listening to R&B. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's almost like I have a weird, um, I have a weird like uh, path that I feel like I'm supposed to walk down where I make the style of R&B music, but the words of gospel music. And that's where like the new single Change Me came from, because that's kind of the direction that I'm going now, because now I've already walked the road with hip hop. I, I have a huge catalog of hip hop music. I don't really need to do that a whole lot more because now I've made every style that I like. So if you really want to hear me do one of the styles, you can just listen to one of my old songs or one of my old albums. Wow. But what I don't have is what I grew up listening to, which is R&B music, but for words that I can identify with now, because now it's like the R&B music now is so much different than what we grew up on that I don't really listen to it now because it's not it's not what I'm used to. So I, I can't really identify with it. So I feel like in a way um, that's an opportunity for me to say, OK, well, I grew up listening to this style of music. But as far as the words, I may, maybe I can't get down with it so I can make gospel as far as the lyrics go, mm. but with this style of music. That's something that I'm kind of like trying to still work on right now and trying to figure out. But um, yeah, but to be completely honest with you, I don't really listen to traditional gospel music that much either because it's not something that that I identify with. Right. You know what I'm saying? So do you want to be classified as a gospel artist though? Personally, I don't care. Like okay. that that's the, the, the thing I think is different about me now compared to when I started. When I started, I didn't want to be classified as a gospel artist because I felt like there was a limit on what you could say. Hmm. But now I realize that the style doesn't really matter as far as as long as you're staying inside of the um, the four walls of, I would say, Christianity, then it really doesn't matter. Like as far as like the style, because I've heard recently I've heard so many different styles of gospel music that I thought I would have never heard. And I thought would never be accepted. Like, um, have you ever heard of um, Jonathan Trailer? I have not. Okay, you, it's a guy you got to look up. He he has a song that to me kind of sounds like trap music, if I could say that. It's it kind of almost like a like a, a medium between R and B and trap music, mm. but it's gospel because of what he's saying, not because of how he's singing it, but because of what he's singing it. I'm sorry, but because of what he's saying. So to me, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, well, if if we can make it any style that we want, but as long as you know, like I said, we we keep it in Christian parameters, which is what I want to do because that's what I want to promote. Yeah, then I'm good with being considered a gospel artist because at the end of the day, one difference between me now versus when I was 19 anyway is I don't really want to promote myself now more than I want to promote Christ. 
So I think that's the biggest difference between me and now and when I started. So that's the reason why I don't care if I'm classified as a gospel artist, because at the end of the day, regardless of what style of music I make, if I'm trying to promote promote Christ anyway, then it doesn't really matter. You can call me whatever you want. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Does it change your audience like that, though? If you're like hip hop artists and then throwing gospel hip hop artists on it? Um, no. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about my audience, I would say is that it's mixed up and I, and I know that because of the analytics, when you uh, publish a song, you can see who's listening to it. You can see how much people are listening to it and you can see what playlists people are adding it to. So the strange thing about me that I think most artists don't deal with, which I think is okay, is that my music has two different audiences really has three Hmm. it has kind of like three different audiences and they all categorize my music completely differently and they all look at me differently which is weird because like i'm to three different people they would consider me a completely different person but i say that because when when you look at my analytics there is a ccm crowd which stands for contemporary christian music so that would be like the upbeat music that I've made like amazing with V-Rolls because they would consider her a CCM artist in some categories, right? But then there's just like a regular hip hop audience for like the way it goes and Forgive Me yeah. and, and songs like that um, and Forgot About Love. And, and so those people just like hip hop. They don't want to hear my gospel music, none of that. They just want to hear me rap, right? Which is cool because I can still put the message in there. And then you got the people now that I didn't have before which is like the gospel music crowd, which likes traditional gospel, but they also like the R&B stuff. So they like the songs like Change Me and and What I See and stuff like that. So I think that that's kind of like the weird thing about me, but I I think it's okay because at the end of the day, when it comes down to uh, like touring and stuff like that, a lot of artists have difficulty touring because the audience might be small. So like with Christian hip hop or Christian rap, the audience is not that big. So if I'm only bringing Christian rap to the table and I'm touring in a city like Philly, a lot of the people that know me will probably be there, but some of the people might not listen to Christian Christian rap. Mm. So if I go outside of my state and I go somewhere where I'm trying to tour for, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, widen my audience, if I only have Christian rap songs, that limits the amount of seats that I can fill up. Wow. But if I have Christian rap, if I have CCM, if I have gospel, then the ability to tour in major cities and the, the ability to fill up seats is much bigger. So that's not something that I planned, Oh wow! <laughs> but it's something that worked out for me in the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's funny. Yeah. When I was, when I was listening to your album the first time through, like even before I reached out to you, it just, what I was, I was doing this thing. I, I was thinking I was like on YouTube or something. I just clicked one song and then like a radio started and then your song popped yeah. up in the radio. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. this is awesome. So I put it on the background when I was editing or something. And the first time listening to it, I was—I didn't even realize you were a gospel artist at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's cool, though. That's awesome, that's cool. Because yeah. I look at it like that's a way for me to get the message to people that aren't looking for it, which, in, in, in my opinion, is a good thing. Because at the end of the day, if you like hip-hop, like, like the way it goes, a lot of people that hear the way it goes for the first time consider me like a boom bat rapper right because mm-hmm. it's like old school and stuff like that if you like that style of music 
why not take the opportunity to give you that style of music and put the message in there? That to me, that's a perfect like opportunity. You wow. know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I like that. Yeah, but I I feel like <laughs> it, whether it was purposeful or not, like you definitely did a good mix of songs on that. It was Diary of a Broken Christian, right? Right. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah, that was you did an amazing job on that. Was that all purposeful? Like how? I know that's it's almost been a year now. I'm guessing because it came out in 2020. Yeah. But like, what was the? Yeah. Thank. thank- how long did it take I'm to sorry, make? The, oh, no worries. <laughs> How long did it take so, you to make that okay, album? So the Diary of a Broken Christian came out last May. So um, it'll be a year in two months. Wow. Um, the 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 interesting thing about Diary of a Broken Christian is that it wasn't written from the perspective of a gospel album. That that really goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like. I'm trying to make music that fits more of a gospel category going forward, but that's not where I started. And the only reason why I want to do that going forward is because I want to, I want my music to mature more in the way that I am personally. So a song like change me reflects more of who I am now versus who I was before. So I'm just saying I had to get that out of the way, but from diary of a broken Christian, that's not where I was at last year. I actually wasn't going to release that album Hmm. because that was at the beginning of um, everything that started happening um, with the pandemic and all of that. So I wasn't going to put that album out because I'm like, this is not the time to be releasing music. Like it's it's getting crazy out here. I don't even know what's going to happen. Like, look, it feel like the world is ending. Hmm. Right. So when I wrote that album, literally I wrote it for it to sound like, if I was writing down my personal experiences, my thoughts, my everyday struggles in a journal or in a diary, and you were to read it page by page to get to know me and who I was, if, if you weren't able to meet me, this is what it would sound like. That's the reason why it was called Diary of a Broken Christian, because it was literally supposed to sound like my journal or 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 my diary. Mm. So it wasn't intended to be a gospel album. And that's the reason why it's really not a gospel album in the traditional sense. It's only a gospel album because I'm talking about my relationship with God. But more so, the album is intended to, to be vulnerable. Because if you listen to a song like Forgive Me, which is the most vulnerable song I, I have. I, I still cry when I listen to that song because it is so vulnerable. Mm. Um, it's just to post, it's just supposed to show you that as a Christian, I bleed the same way that you do, but the difference between the pain that an unbeliever or a believer experiences is that Christ has healed my wounds in a way that I wasn't able to heal myself. When I, when I wasn't a believer. So really it's just intended to show you my scars um, for the sake of pointing you to the one who healed my scars. Because I, I think that by being transparent about the things that I've dealt with and the things I've struggled with and the places where I've fallen, I think that that gives people the opportunity to see the realness of God and the realness of, of Christ in people's life. Because in some ways, People have a people have a, a skewed view of what a Christian is supposed to look like or be like because some people are only exposed to uh, TV preachers, and at the end of the day, the the way that TV preachers are Joel Epstein are right? <laughs> really like a small percentage of how actual Christians are, 
So it's very important as far as representation goes to, to have albums like this to show people that, yo, all Christians are not like what you see on TV. Like, that's not really a good representation of what they're actually like. So I wanted to bleed on this album and I wanted to be hurt on this album and I wanted to be vulnerable and honest um, on this album for people that don't necessarily believe to listen to it and to say, okay, nah, like I, I feel where he coming from. Like I, I didn't necessarily look at it like that, but I feel you. That's that's all I wanted. You know what I mean? So that was where, where really the mindset came from behind that project. When gospel artists like release albums, is there an intention to when a listener to listen to it to maybe be like, oh, maybe I should convert? <laughs> or is like, what is the messaging when they release these albums? Or like when you release it even? It's for, for me. See, I can only speak for myself. But right. for me, it appears to be two, two or three different um, approaches or two, two um, or three different um, goals that you'll have in mind. And and you can you can hear the goals in the in the in the style of the music. So some songs that a gospel um, artist will release will specifically be um, for that purpose to to get a, a person that's not not a believer to consider um, what they're saying about Christianity to convert. So yes, but then some songs are not actually intended for unbelievers. Some songs are just intended intended to encourage people that are already believers. So like you might notice in some gospel songs, they might say things that you don't even really know what they're talking about because they use like jargon that's like specific to the culture. And you're like, bro, I really don't know what she meant by that. <laughs> but, but yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some songs are just meant to encourage and to uplift. And then some songs are meant to try to convert you. So as far as this album, I think I did probably both, mm -hmm. but I more so tried to get you to think yeah. on this on this album. Because I think if I can get you to, if I can get you to just think about what I'm saying, then I don't necessarily have to try to hard sell it to you because you can make your own decision on if you felt me or not. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So besides the lyricism when it comes to like Christian music, I feel like there are certain like flows or beats that are specific for like gospel music. Like, can you explain yeah. the meaning behind, like I hear good, like a certain guitar melody or a certain piano melody when I'm listening to gospel music versus if I'm listening to hi regular hip hop right. or any other genre. So where does that come from? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So that basically comes from tradition and the interesting thing about our generation is we're actually trying to break that. So with, there's kind of, and I really don't want to go here, but there's kind of two different kinds of gospel music. There's a lot of people would consider CCM, which would be contemporary Christian music as white, and then gospel music as black. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go there, but that's a real thing. Like people are really like afraid of that dynamic because in some ways you can kind of only be accepted in one of those two crowds. So you have to choose. That's not a good thing, but it does exist. So uh, with that being said, a lot of times the tradition will go that you'll have acoustic guitars um, with on the CCM side. And then on the gospel side, you'll have the organ or the keyboard and things like that. But that's really just tradition based. Mm. And what happens is 
when artists come to the table to put out a new song or to produce a new song, they actually feel afraid to step outside of those two things. That's the reason why you associate those sounds with gospel music, because people are afraid to come outside of those things because they know if I don't have an organ on my song, then like the traditional gospel listeners are going to be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear no trap music. Like, right. so in a sense, it's, it's kind of partly tradition and part fear. People don't want to be rejected by the traditional crowd in gospel music. So they either stick with the acoustic guitar on the CCM side, or like I said, the organ or, or, or the, uh, the uh, piano on the uh, gospel side. So that way um, it will be embraced by the culture. Hmm. Um, but People like, have you ever heard of uh, Jonathan McReynolds? No, the only Christian artist I've probably heard of is like Lecrae. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is, all right. I'm going to have to put you up on game. I'm going to see you some artists when we get off of here. But no, um, uh, somebody like Jonathan McReynolds is in a lot of ways considered like a leader in our generation of gospel music because he's making a lot of music that is very personal. So what I mean by that is when you listen to my album, you felt like it was very personal, personal in a way that didn't necessarily sound like traditional gospel, but it was more on the rap side. So somebody like Jonathan McReynolds would be like that, but more on like the sort of kind of R&B side. So mm. his would be more personal, but he's singing, not rapping. So people like him, some of the points that he's made is the the, the negative thing about gospel artists in our generation is that we're afraid to take risks. So what happens with gospel artists a lot of times is that we actually will put out music that we think the church wants to hear right. or the church wants us to put out, not actually the music that we want to put out or the music that we actually think will affect people. So the reason why I say our generation is changing that is because somebody like Jonathan McReynolds uh, who is our age, saying something like that encourages people like, like me to say, okay, I'm not going to intentionally make music that I feel like is what the church wants to hear. I'm going to try to make music that I think is going to actually minister to people, no matter what it sounds like, as long as it bears witness with my spirit and, and you know, with, with the talents that I have. So for me, I know that I'm not that strong of a singer. I know that I'm not going to try to hit the highest notes and do all the craziest runs. That's not what God gave me. You know what I'm saying? What he did give me is the ability to write songs. I know how to rap. So if I know how to rap, I'm just going to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's not to say that you should only do what you feel comfortable with. Cause I've already proven with the new song that I'm not only going to do that, but I'm saying I shouldn't be afraid to use hip hop as far as gospel music, if that's the gift that God gave me, if I know how to write rhymes, then I should use that, you know, to the glory of God. Cause I think that at the end of the day, one thing that I want our generation to understand is that if God gave you a gift, he gave it to you for a reason. So you should just use it to serve him and you shouldn't be afraid to. So at the end of the day, it goes back to, um, are you going to uh, buckle under the fear of rejection 
or are you going to try to do, you know, what God is leading you to do? That's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's just the way I look at it. It's weird. I don't know. This might be a stereotype, but I feel like I do see this. I feel like, like churchgoers or even just white people, if you say that you're a Christian rapper, it makes, it's almost like you're safe, right? Or like right. white people are open to listening to Macklemore, who's from Seattle, even though he says some right. weird ass. Not a, he's not a Christian rapper at all. But I, why right. does this Christian or gospel before hip hop or rap make people think it's safe? Um, I think it's just because they know that it's not going to have profanity. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The music, I think you could agree the music now versus even 15 years ago is a lot more profane a lot more vulgar. Oh, God. yeah like it's insane not, not not more profane a lot more so like when you say certain things like that if you tell somebody like you're a christian rapper or something i think it's more so they know what they're not gonna get <laughs> versus what they are you know what i'm saying yeah this might be a blanket statement but i feel like maybe because becoming an artist is so easy nowadays not saying it's easy to become successful but anyone can pick up a mic yeah i feel like it's gotten to a point where like artists 20 years ago they were better at like lyricism and innuendos but maybe some people aren't they haven't built up their catalog enough like like lyrical catalog or vocal catalog or whatever to be more secretive about what they're saying they're just straight up saying i'm like oh my god so i get where you're coming from no, I, I agree. I think that in a weird way, the fact that it's so easy to make music now is actually a bad thing. Yes. Because now we we have gotten to a point where I don't know. No, I do know why. Because of money. Because of the fact that we figured out that we could make money in music, we have a whole lot of people that are only actually making music because they know that they can make money not because they actually like making music. Yeah. That is horrible. That's a horrible, horrible thing. Because now you got people who 30 years ago never would have made a song because they would have been like, nah, I ain't with all that. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, oh, I can make money? All right, well, what you want me to say? And it's just like, <laughs> that's not the way that you approach music. Like yeah. people go in the studio and just say anything, oh, like, like literally anything. And it's like before it was about emotion. It was about um, inspiration. It was about pulling something out of people or, you know, putting inspiration into people. But now it's just like, all right, well, how can I get the bag? And it's just like, oh my goodness. Why do we have a song about this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's nice. I guess that just comes with the territory. Yes. What do you think about the Grammys when I don't see a lot of artists? Christian artists or gospel artists putting music out into the like putting it out so it can be submitted to like the Grammys you know so then you see people who would not even think about being Christian early Snoop Dogg winning a gospel album award Kanye who people a lot of people honestly didn't like his newest album also winning a Grammy like right like how does that make you feel and like why aren't there enough or if there are why aren't why do you think they're not getting selected um so honestly, I think there's two reasons. One, I think artists 
well, Christian artists are in some ways afraid to step into things like uh, like the Grammys because they look at it like the world hates God so much right now, right? Like we're in a weird time as far as religious. Oh yeah. Um, where they feel like trying to be a part of something like the Grammys means that they're either going to have to sell out or that they're not going to be accepted. They're going to be rejected because of their testimony in the first place. So that's the first part of it. The second part is that things like the Grammys are ultimately run by humans. Like, I, I think people don't realize that people, right, <laughs> select winners, like people choose. So at the end of the day, the same way that it's about who you know with everything else, it kind of goes like that when it comes to some award shows, because if you have people at award shows that are on the, I guess you could call it committee to choose these songs, if they have personal relationships with specific people at specific labels, yeah, they're going to have a higher likelihood of getting their album or their project or their single chosen for the award because of the relationship with the people that are involved have with that project. Is that right? No, but is it true? Yeah, it's true because that's, that's kind of how it happens. In a lot of ways, the music industry is like high school. I, I, I saw a guy say that recently and that really made me think about it. Like, yo, that's true. Cause if you know the top producers, if you know the top engineers, if you know the top A&Rs, it's going to be in some ways a lot easier for you to have access to certain platforms than people who may be more talented than you, but don't know none of them people. It's not fair, yeah. but that's that's life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think maybe there should be like new award shows. But also what I've been, what I like doing research on is a lot of these award shows, even outside of music, whether it's TV, movies, the attendance rate is going down dramatically because there's so much stuff oh, yeah. going out that's honestly better than some of these movies that are winning awards. So, I, right. I, but you're right. It also it comes down to who you know, which is kind of weird and whack. So, yeah, it is. It's interesting because <clears throat> I think right now the the end of the gatekeeper era is like approaching yeah like it in five years ten years from now it's it's gonna kind of either be no gatekeepers or the position of a gatekeeper will be irrelevant yeah because now i'll give you a perfect example on youtube if your song blows up on youtube you can get offered a deal from any record company in the country because with without needing their help to have gotten there in the first place, hmm. because the audience is the most important part. If you have the audience, you have the leverage. So it doesn't matter if you, if you go through a gatekeeper or not for our generation, I think we're the first generation of music to, to deal with this type of uh, situation where if, if you got it popping on Spotify, you don't need a gatekeeper. Mm. If you got it popping on YouTube, you don't need a gate. So at the end of the day, things like that, like the hierarchy, where this person knows that person and this person knows that person. So unless you know one of them people you're not getting in, yo, that's gonna be dead in 10 years. I guarantee it. That's wow. it's gonna be it's gonna be dead. It's not even gonna matter. 
Yeah, I like that though. You know, like I think that's so cool that people, no, me too. People can make money on like Patreon or whatever, like just doing everything independently. Yeah. That's yeah, that's insane. So no, it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. So let's break down your two new singles now. Definitely a change. Both songs are completely different from each other and your previous catalog. So you first released right. "Change Me." So break down "Change Me." Okay, so uh, like you were saying, with my catalog, most of it is hip hop. So what I wanted to do was, um, I was I was talking to somebody about my style of music and like the style of music I like, and I realized that people perceive you in a way that's much different than you perceive your own music mm. because they don't know the real you. They only know what you've shown them. So like with my catalog, I think I've shown people so much hip hop that they think that's the only kind of music that I like and the only kind of music that I make. When the weird thing is I actually like R&B music more than I like hip hop. <laughs> you would never guess that by listening to my music because I haven't shown it to you. So I realized that now and I'm like, oh, Okay, so I actually need to show, you know what I'm saying, who I really am in order for people to actually, like, be able to correctly categorize me if that's what they're going to do. So with Change Me, that was my first opportunity to make something that sounded like R&B, <clears throat> which I feel like, feel like is more of who I am now. Like I said, my dad is an R&B producer, so that's the type of music I grew up listening to. That's the type of music I like the most. So... What changed me, I wanted to make something that sounded like R&B, but I also wanted to make something that was true to gospel music as far as the lyrics, because at the end of the day, with R&B, it's only a few certain uh, places you're going to go with it. So you're either going to talk about your relationship, you're going to talk about love, you're going to talk about this or that. So, But I didn't want to do that, you know what I'm saying? And I definitely didn't want to make the R&B music that's on the radio right now, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't listen to this stuff. Oh this stuff is wild. So, <laughs> so it's too much for me. So I'm like, all right, I want to try to make an R&B song, but, you know, instead of talking about all of those things, I want to talk about something that I'm actually dealing with right now, to be completely honest and transparent, because that's kind of like the trend that I've set with my last album, just in a different style. So <clears throat> something that I've been dealing with a lot um, in my personal life lately is, is God showing me how immature I am personally. and one of the things that I realize about myself now is that I have believed a lot of the lies that society has told us as it pertains to music and identity. And I didn't realize one that I believed it and two, how much it affected me. So in this sense, with this song, I wanted to kind of almost like show you as the listener, my prayer and like my conversation between me and God about me, him, him revealing to me that my heart is not right in certain ways and that I need to change. So it's almost like I'm asking God to change me and to make my heart better and to make me more mature. So that way I won't continue to struggle with the things that I've been struggling with and battling with as far as identity and things like that. Um, and the more important part um, about that was, I felt like, okay, this is not only something that I deal with, but this is something that a lot of people deal with, specifically artists. This is something that a lot of artists deal with. So I think that if I put these words on this song, then other artists and other people that can relate to this type of feeling that hears this song, it'll kind of almost, it's almost like my prayer will become their prayer. So it, it almost will like 
be inspiration for them to help them get them through to um, at the same time. And that was really the intention behind the song. I wanted to kind of like um, give people the um, the sense that, you know, you're, you're not alone in this battle that you're going through uh, because I'm, I'm dealing with it too. So now when you hear it, it's going to, con- you're going to be able to connect with it. And I think that's the best type of music to make. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. And it seems like you're getting some pretty good reception from it also, like on YouTube even. Got some pretty nice views on that. Yeah. So that must be exciting. Yeah, to... it's, it's... Oh, huh? I was gonna, just going to say, it must be exciting to see that you're switching it up and actually getting some good reception behind that. Yeah, it, it's weird because it almost feels like home to me in a weird place because it's a new place for me to go, like as far as the style. But um, honestly, man, I think that being transparent has really helped me. It, it's something that I would have been afraid of um, as a teenager, um, because I was I was so vain as an 18, 19 year old that I thought that um, everything had to be about the look. And when I kind of like grew up, I realized that being transparent actually helps people. Yeah. So when you're talking like it sounds like duh. Right. <laughs> but but no, like when you really think about it, when you're transparent about your struggles and the things that you've been through and the things that you've dealt with, that helps people so much that you would be surprised. People that have gone through the same things that you've gone through, that being transparent to them almost makes them feel like they know you. And that's when people really like you as an artist. Not, not that that's the most important part, but that's when your music is important. That's when your music is impactful, which I think is the whole point. Like, I don't think you should make music if it's not impactful. Mm-hmm. So for me, as far as the reception goes, it's been received really well. It seems like because of how vulnerable and how uh, transparent um, I was. And and I, I think that's a good thing because other people that have been dealing with the same thing are like, yo, I feel you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. I'm going to continue to try to keep that pattern. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like inspirational for other artists as well as your audience. Right. Wow. Right, right, right. Which is weird because I never intended to like be that guy. but like. Is something that I feel like is coming out of me unintentionally. Wow. You know what I mean? And then you released only a few days afterwards, you released Be Somebody. So break that down. Yeah. Okay. So everything this time around was intentional. And the reason why is because I have learned from my mistakes last time. Um, I think that th- there's two ways to learn, either from your mistakes or from somebody else's. Yes. And the best way... It's from somebody else's, but if you have to, <laughs> then it should be yours. Yeah. So the last time when I released my album, I put all my songs out without a music video. Not smart. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not smart. I talked to a um, a music video director and he was telling me, he was like, you know, in some cases, if you put a song out without a video, you really didn't put the song out. Wow. I'm like, I didn't even think about that mm. because in some ways, a lot of people discover music through YouTube. That's literally the way that a lot of people discover YouTube. So if you don't have a music video, your song doesn't exist to a lot of people. So that was one thing that I did different this time was that I put a music video for Change Me um, straight off the bat, first thing I came with. Second thing I learned from as far as why the releases are so close together is consistency Mm. is so much more important to a listener than you would ever, ever think or ever realize. 
So I, I get to see all my analytics on Spotify when people listen to my music. And one thing I noticed is that if you don't release music every six months, people actually stop listening to your music in a way because it's almost like you fell off the map. Like, where did you go? I, I don't know. Yeah. And then they'll find you again at the end of the year when the wrap up comes. And it's like, oh, this is music that you listen to throughout the year. It's like, oh, I used to listen to Jimmy Marvin. It's like, ah, oh, it's not, that's not good. You know, that's not good. So, so at the end of the day, the way that I approached this release, I learned from both of those mistakes. I put a music video out first, and then I followed up with a, another single the next Friday after to show consistency. But not only that, I tried two different styles because I'm actually about to start my YouTube channel over. I oh, used wow. to run a YouTube channel where I was just talking um, years ago. I'm actually about to start doing that again in a more in a di- in a more uh, professional way. But I'll get to that later. Um, so before I start trying to focus on YouTube, I wanted to make sure that my catalog had different styles of music. And so that's the reason why both of those styles are not only different than each other, but also different from the rest of the music uh, that's in my catalog. So that way, when you find the music, you know, say you come across one of my YouTube videos of me just giving encouragement and stuff like that. Once you find out that I make music, I want to have a catalog that's actually reasonable and not just like two songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. That makes sense. And you use it. Everything, everything is thought out. (laughs) Yes. That's, that's the, that's the right way to go about it. You know? What were you about to say? I'm sorry. Oh yeah. So I was, it was interesting. You chose an Afro beat. Like that's very different. Yeah. So what made you you decide um, that? It's weird because I wanted to try something that wasn't, um, that wasn't too comfortable, like in my lane, something that would kind of like, um, see, I I had a conversation with two big artists Um, And one of the things that one of the guys said to me was that you have to you have to take risks. You got to do something that's going to be kind of like out there. Like you can't just make really basic music. That's not going to do anything like you got to like try something. You know what I mean? And so with the Afrobeat thing, I actually like Afrobeat. Um, it didn't become popular to mainstream. It's it's always been a thing, mm-hmm. but it didn't become popular to main to mainstream until like the recent years. So in in the genre of like gospel rap or just even regular gospel, Afrobeat is not something that's like really all the way big yet. Right. So for me, I just wanted to kind of try something. And when I heard that beat, I was like, yo. I, I I couldn't stop dancing when I just heard it. So I'm like, if I feel like this just listening to the instrumental, then people are going to feel like this when they hear my song, which is important. Because if you get people moving, then that's how you can get, they'll get through the whole song like that because they like the way that the rhythm is. But at the end of the day, I got the message on the song. So I got you to listen to the message, even if you weren't looking for it. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's just how I look at it. Is there different categories to that extent with gospel? Like, is there gospel Afrobeat, gospel R&B? I know gospel rap, but like gospel country, gospel, like, is it like it's, I when I think of the word gospel, I literally think of its own category. Like hip hop, it's, right. it's its own category. Gospel, it's own, its own category. There's subcategories of hip hop. I'm guessing there's subcategories to gospel. So, um, the truth is there's, 
technically really no mm. it, it doesn't it doesn't really exist right but people for the sake of trying to um categorize the music as far as like explaining it to people that's where the categories come from so um when you go on like billboard charts and stuff like that music is broken down into very short and very specific categories so christian slash gospel that's it that's all you got wow doesn't matter if it's rap doesn't matter if it's singing doesn't matter if it's afrobeat doesn't matter if it contains a gospel or a christian message that's the category it's going to fit in on billboard so at the end of the day no wow. the, the subgenres don't exist in real life and i'm saying that because I have two songs on the radio right now and they're under the same category. Are they the same? Not at all. Hmm. One is rap, one is me singing. But as far as the format of the radio stations, it's either gonna be Christian inspiration or gospel. That's it. They're not, it's not gonna be, regular rap stations won't pick up my songs hmm. because I'm talking about God. So it's like people act real spooky about religion in the time that we live in right now, it's weird. So regular rap stations won't play it, but a gospel station will play it if they play a hip hop format. So in a nutshell, you could call Christian rap a subgenre of gospel. Yes, you could. But in reality, the only time people would really do that is when they're trying to explain to somebody the type of music that they're listening to or the type of music that they're um, like offering for them to listen to. Like, oh, I want you to listen to this song. Okay, what kind of song is it? It's kind of like gospel rap. Wow. Right? Wow. Like, that's it. That's how it would be explained. But in reality, it's a hip-hop song. Like, if you go to iTunes and you look at Diary of a Broken Christian, it it, it will be considered hip-hop because it's rap. I'm rapping on it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you were to say, yo, I think you should listen to this song. It's called Forgive Me. It's by this artist named Jimmy Moore. If they say, okay, what, what, like, what, what kind of song, what style is it? Since I'm talking about God, you're going to have to kind of convey that in some way. So the easiest way to convey that message is to say, it's like gospel rap or Christian rap. That's it. Wow. That's that's the only reason I think it's made for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is there, so, is there like, know. is there like gospel awards? Like if there, and if there is, do they break it down? Yeah. Okay. Yes. There's actually a couple different, um, there's the GMAs. I think it stands for the um, gospel music association. Don't, don't give me that. <laughs> um, there is, the Stellar Awards, which is the biggest, I think, and I could be wrong. I didn't grow up in church, so don't come after me, everybody <laughs> watching this. Um, there's the Stellar Awards, which is basically, it appears to be like the, the, the gospel or Christian version of the Grammys. So like a lot of people that won't watch the Grammys will watch the Stellar Awards. Same thing, but it's for gospel artists. Mm. So there's a couple different award shows like that. So like for me, and then, then there's the Dove Awards. So for me, um, with a song like Change Me, I might not be able to win a, a Grammy for that. I might, but I might not. But then I could pro possibly win a stellar award for it because mm. it's a gospel song. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's like that. those type of award shows are specifically for um, music that falls under the category of uh, Christian music. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, so break down your YouTube channel. I think it used... You said you're going to start a new one, but I think it used to be called Jimmy Speaks yeah. or something, or am I completely off? 
Okay, so it actually used to be called the Lost and Found Show. Okay, I was completely <laughs> so, off, but I know you had. Okay, it had to have been like a hundred years ago. I'm not old. Um, probably like 2012, I started a, a YouTube channel where I was just giving Christian encouragement and just basically like um, little small five minute videos of me uh, giving inspiration and talking about, you know, uh, Christian life and, and stuff like that. Right. So on YouTube, a lot of people that are believers have a hard time finding, uh, YouTubers that, um, live a Christian lifestyle because it's not really popular on YouTube. YouTube has like everything, but that specifically is not that popular. So I wanted to kind of do a channel that was, um, like offering Christian inspiration for our generation. So when I started that channel, I was given like five minute videos um, weekly where I was just encouraging people and stuff like that. And it was very good for me. But at the at the time, I was going through a lot because that was the time when I had just become a Christian. So my music was changing mm. and I was battling back and forth with what to do with my music because I didn't know what to do anymore. But I just knew that I couldn't make the type of music that I was making before. So when I kind of stopped making music, I also stopped doing my YouTube channel, um, which was a shame because I had a lot of subscribers and they literally, literally in the comment section, they kept saying, don't stop making these videos. <laughs> How I didn't realize that, I don't know. But I was so blind to my own like problems and issues that I didn't even take into consideration these people that are being encouraged by. It. I'm just like, I'm not doing it anymore. I just need a break. Wow. Oh, it's too much. <laughs> and I just stopped making my YouTube videos for like years. Wow. So now um, I just passed um, a, a thousand subscribers. So now once you pass a thousand subscribers, you can make community posts. So <clears throat> um, now that I've uh, extended my catalog of my music and stuff like that, I have a couple more singles that I want to put out, but I actually want to go back to the YouTube side of things where I'm making encouraging videos and stuff like that. So now what you're going to see is probably in the next few weeks, I'll start actually building an actual YouTube channel, like, 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 like a, like a YouTube channel that I'm, I take seriously. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Not just my music, all of the old videos that I had, you can't see them because I took them <laughs> down because I sounded crazy. I looked like I was like 10 years old. <laughs> I had an Afro oh, that was like this big, so big. You wouldn't be able to see it in the camera. <laughs> I look crazy. It was so funny. It was so funny. Wow. But um, but nah, I, I I'm I'm gonna start it over. So I'm gonna go back to it. But that's that's really what it's about. Wow. You know what I mean? So congrats on a thousand subscribers. Do you have any um advice <laughs> for artists or any YouTubers who need help building up their subscribers? Yes. My advice is pick <clears throat> a specific audience in the beginning, right? Pick a specific audience and understand what that audience is looking for, understand what that audience wants to watch, understand what could help that audience, understand what could give that audience value, understand the language of that specific audience and nobody else. My bad, my phone is ringing. And, um, and, and speak their language and offer value to specifically only them and do that until you have a thousand subscribers at least, and then go bigger. Because what happens is a lot of times in the beginning, 
people want to, they don't want to be put in a box. So they kind of do everything. But the thing, the lesson that I've learned the hard way and from other people is that if you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. Wow. The only way wow. that you can actually grow is if you plant a seed. So that seed has to be specific. You know what I'm saying? You got to choose a specific place in the ground where you're going to plant the seed and you got to devote attention to that specific seed in order for it to grow. You got to make sure that it gets specific sunlight. You got to make sure that you water it a specific amount. So that's really the advice I would give. Take one specific niche audience seriously uh, pertaining to what you want to talk about and just focus on giving those people value and those people only. And after it's built, built up substantially, then you can start offering other people value because then those people will actually help you grow it. But until then, it's going to be too all over the place. Like if I come to your YouTube channel right now and I don't know what I'm looking at, it's not, it's, it's a good chance it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. If I come to your channel and I can explain to somebody what your channel is in two sentences, then it'll probably work. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. That's deep. I'm sorry. I'm long-winded. No, you're it's, a good It's my speaker. dad's fault. If you talk <laughs> to my dad, my dad will talk to you for an hour about a really, really, really simple subject, it, it, but he will really like inspire you. So that's the reason why I'm long-winded. I'm sorry. Wow. No, you're a, you're a good speaker. I feel like some artists, I forget, I was just talking to someone about this other day. Like you see all these artists being able to put out all these projects, singles or whatever out into the world. But then when it comes to interviews or one-on-one -on -one interactions, sometimes they're just the most introverted, quiet people ever, you know? It's like, oh, gosh. Yeah, you'll, you'll ask artists, you'll be like, yeah, so um, how did you feel about that? They'll be like, I thought it was cool. Oh, my gosh. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so awkward. I've seen interviews like that. Because the funny thing about me is that I don't actually listen to other people's music. I'm over here crying. I, I cry when I laugh. Um, I don't actually listen to other people's music that much. I watch people's interviews. And one thing that has me rolling is when I watch people's interviews and you can see the interviewer trying to pull something out of them, trying to get some, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I felt that. Mm -hmm. Right on. It's like talking to a brick wall. <laughs> And then, and then the interviewer has to scramble and be like, all right, so what else can I ask for? Do you like coffee? What's your favorite oh, kind of drink? Like, yeah. you know? What's your favorite it's color? Like, yeah, I just... didn't come here for this. Oh, we, we, we don't care that, that I like Sprite. So why are we talking about oh, this? You know what gosh. I'm saying? But... That's crazy. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think I got the opposite effect. I think I talk too much, so I'm sorry. No, I, I really like it. I appreciate it, honestly. <laughs> so, so break down, are you part of the philly music scene is there a philly music scene and if so are you part of it no yeah not anymore because i moved out of the city that's that's one of the things that i talk about um on my album when i was younger um it got so dangerous in my neighborhood that my dad just felt like it wasn't worth it anymore because it's like my dad was working overtime every day so at the end of the day he looked at it like okay if i gotta worry about coming home late one day and I don't know if something is going to happen what, with y'all playing outside or on this block or whatever. Y'all just don't need to live here. We don't need to live here no more. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I stepped away from um, the, the city a long time ago. That, that was really like the main um, defining thing about my music 
is that it hurt so bad being moved around so so young because I lived with my mom when I was younger then I lived with my dad and then we moved out of Philly so that was actually traumatic for me as a kid because I experienced so many different environments that I kind of became uh somewhat of an introvert in a lot of ways because I didn't really fit in anywhere so um no I'm not really a part of the Philly scene I mean I, I would like to but I think right now the the difficulty that we face as artists in every scene is being overly competitive. Yeah. I think that right now artists artists don't realize the value in working together. So because they don't they don't see the value in working together, they think that we should we should all do our own thing and we shouldn't help each other. And specifically with like Christian music, that's not necessarily like a problem because it's like, well, we're not doing it for that anyway. I'm doing it for the message. So I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the hip hop scene in general, um, I think that people have to mature enough to see like, if we all know each other and we all got good music and we all have relationships with, you know, the plug at whatever type of platform, then we all on. But yeah. we don't see that right now. Like this, it's gonna take us, it's gonna take us a while before we figure that out. Like, oh snap. So you mean if we all knew each other and one person gets the plug, then we all got the plug, then the light bulb will come <laughs> on. But right now it's like, nah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna try to do my own thing. I don't wanna be no part of this. I don't wanna be a part of that. I don't wanna mess with these people. And it's just like, oh my goodness. So I don't know, but I think that's everywhere. You know what I mean? I don't think that's just Philly. I think that's everywhere. Yeah. I, right. I definitely, I definitely see that. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard it in that way though. That makes complete sense. And that's like exactly what's happening. Oh, they, they hide yeah. the resources on us. Yeah. It's, it's kind of yeah. like a, um, it's kind of like we believe that there's only enough room for one or two people. Right. And like, we look at it like if one person makes it to the top, they are the only one that can occupy that spot as far as music goes. Right. And we don't realize music doesn't work like that. Like if I could, if I could get anything into the heads of all musicians, I would get them to see music does not work like that, where one per everybody will only listen to one person. I have literally never met one person in my entire life that will only listen to Drake. I don't listen to anybody else. No, I don't want to hear it. I just I don't, don't, I don't want to hear it. It's like, oh my goodness, you don't realize that when we had CDs, all of us had a pack of CDs this thick. Remember the folder yes, thing? You yes, used to put? yes. Why? Because we wanted to hear all kinds of different music. Nobody only wanted to hear one sound. Like, like one of my favorite groups growing up was Outkast, right? Yes. But Outkast was so unique. That was something that you wanted to listen to because you liked how different they were, right? You didn't want to hear Outkast because they sounded like everybody else. So when you wanted to hear them, hear their style, you listen to them. Then sometimes you wanted to listen to Common. Sometimes you wanted to listen to this other person. Sometimes you wanted to listen to Biggie. Sometimes you wanted to listen to Tupac. So it's like... I think artists, society has tricked us into missing that part where it's like nobody didn't want to hear everybody. Everybody wanted to listen to all kinds of different music. Everybody wanted to listen to Lauryn Hill. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody. Yeah. So it's like, we think now 
that I got to push all y'all out the way so everybody will only listen to me. And it's like, you don't realize what the consumer themselves actually think. You don't realize that they don't only want to hear you. They do want to hear you, but they want to hear you and everybody else. Yeah. So that's kind of like the main thing that I think we're missing. That's you know so funny. I mean? Like as soon as you said outcast, I started thinking of like so many other artists that spread off from outcast. It's not like I'm just thinking of outcast. Exactly. I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. I know outcast. I made a song with this guy or this guy. I also like this exactly. person's music. Cause I was listening to outcast. Like, yeah, that's, I think that's how a lot of people think. They don't just think solely about that one artist. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, right. You kind of think about your the music that you like in groups. Yeah. Like, like when people explain the type of music that they like, because everybody likes different kinds of music. Whenever people explain the kind of music that they personally like, they always explain it in multiple artists. They say, oh, yeah, I like this kind of music. I like this artist, this artist, this artist. Wow. Nobody ever says, I only like Drake. Wow. <laughs> yeah like you, you realize how creepy that sounds like to only like one artist oh my like nobody does that so that's something that independent artists have to realize like bro if you could if you could get anything into your head all of the people that make music that's similar to yours they're not competing with you because they're different with different than you if if you if you are your yourself in your music because that's really like kind of a problem too a lot of people fronting you know what I'm saying? A lot of people want to be what they think society wants them to be. If you just be yourself, you can guarantee can't nobody put you out of the game because nobody can be you. Nobody can be exactly like me because my testimony is completely different than everybody else's. Wow. So at the end of the day, I know that you can't compete with me as long as I be myself because you can't be me. Mm -hmm. That's it. It don't even have to be who's more talented. So what? Nobody cares. It's just about what are you offering them? You know what I'm saying? Do you like the way the music sounds? Good. It don't matter. Wow. You know what I mean? I, I think I'm weird like that, but I don't know. No, I, I definitely get that. So if you're not really part of the music scene, how do you go about building your audience? You broke down how you did it on YouTube, but like overall, it seems like you've got a very, your audience is continuously growing. So what, what are the steps you've gone to do that? Well, see, um, it's strange because when people talk to me, they think that uh, I'm super outgoing. So like, I'm just out here networking and, 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 and all of this stuff. And I actually say that I am an introvert because I do my thing. Like I, I make my music by myself when I'm in the studio. It's only me, either just me by myself or only me and a producer. That's it. I don't like people being in my session. It's weird. <laughs> you get self-conscious and all that. So no, yeah. I, I, I do it by myself. But no, as far as um, spreading the audience, <clears throat> I think that what I try to do is I try to put my music in front of people without them feeling like I'm offering it to them. Mm. So I'll give you a perfect example. And this is something that all artists can get gain from. You discovered my music. You personally discovered my music because it popped up in a playlist mixed with other artists. I didn't send you my song. You didn't know I existed. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so what I do is I work for that to happen. I, mm. make, I make moves that will intentionally put my music in front of people that already listen to the same style of music that I make um, without me actually ever being involved. So like um, I'm on uh, gospel hydration. You might, if you don't listen to gospel music, you might not know. But um, I'm on gospel hydration. They, they have a big audience themselves without me, right? So their platform, putting my song or my songs on there introduces their audience to me without me actually saying, hey guys, come listen to my music. Cause nobody likes that. Mm -hmm. That's that's weird. And it's, it feels spammy, right? 
But if they're listening to gospel hydration alone, right? And then one of my songs just comes up. Now they just discovered me. So now I got the opportunity to get them to listen to the rest of my catalog if they liked it. So if they liked it, now they just be basically became a fan. Wow. So that's kind of the way that I approach music. And, and that's been working for me because for a long time, for years, I was spamming people. Check out my music. Da, 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 da. Check it out. And it's like, yo, people don't like that. That's weird. Because you're the guy at the party handing out flyers. Like, go oh, here somewhere, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't want to do that. I was that guy for long enough <laughs> to realize that don't work. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I think I I think I was it was like a some old boom bap Mac Miller song and then your song was right after it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, see? But the style it worked, right? Yeah. See, that's what I mean. That's perfect. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That just I love music. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's weird when you get to like the uh the analytics and that side of music it actually becomes really really cool because it's so interesting to see how there's so many different styles of music and how people like so much different music that it becomes like this whole new world that you never even like thought was even there. It's like, wow, like lo-fi is like a big thing right now. Like, in fact, that's one of the next things I'm going to do. I'm going to do something lo-fi because oh, yeah. I just love the way it sounds. You know what I'm saying? It just sounds amazing. So I don't know. Wow. I don't know. So I think it's, it's There We Go, right? there. That's how it goes. How is that song? What's the title of that one song? The... When your kids are the way it goes, there, the way it goes. There yeah, we go. The way it goes. I was close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then your kids were on like the yeah, outro that... part of it. So what made you decide to yeah. use your kids in that? Okay, so when I was when I was writing the chorus for that song, it sounded really empty. Like when I just sung it by myself, it sounded like it was something missing. I'm like, ooh, like it it don't sound right. It just sounds real bland. And my kids are like a real big part of uh, my music. Like they, they, they tell me that they like my music. They listen to me. They joke with me and stuff. My kids tell me, dad, we subscribe to your YouTube channel. I'm like, oh my goodness. You're not even old enough to even know what that means. But um, I heard like, I, I heard a song in my head of like a little kid singing something. And I was thinking to myself like, yo, imagine if you had kind of like, a big group of kids, almost like, like, uh, what's the Nas song? Um, I know I can't, I know I can't be what I want to be. Mm. be what I, right. When we were growing up, how old are you? You look kind of young. I'm, I'm 20. You? I'm stereotyping you right now. I listen to all music. 20. I listen to all that type of music though. I'm completely blanking on the name too. Oh, oh all right. All right. You, you, you're a little baby. You might not know that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that might be before your time. Oh, young brother. But anyway, no, Nas had a song where he had a bunch of kids like repeating what he was saying. Okay. And that style has been done um, often in hip hop and R&B culture. Mm -hmm. And I just heard that in my head, that style in my head when I was working on that song. And I'm like, yo, how crazy would it be to have a whole bunch of kids in the background singing along the song? Because now it almost makes it like an anthem, like where, where people feel it like emotionally, it makes it like an anthem. And I'm like, oh, crap, where am I going to get a whole bunch of kids from, though? <laughs> and it's like, well, I got five kids. You know oh what I'm saying? Gosh. So that works perfectly. Wow. So at the end of the day, if I wanted to sound like a large group of kids, I can just get my kids to sing it and double it and layer it. Now it sounds like 10 kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
my kids, they're funny because they're so talented, even though they're so young, they can already sing now. And I, and I, I was getting them to sing the songs. I'm like, all right, I want y'all to sing this, sing this, sing this. And it, it was like a Five Heartbeats movie, right? My kids was in the room singing. I'm like, yo, y'all sound good. Wow. Y'all sound better than me. So, yo, no joke. I put like, like my hangers of my clothes up in the closet, right? All around the closet so that oh. way the sound doesn't bounce off the walls. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, everybody come in here, stand right in front of the microphone, and we all gonna stand next to each other and sing, and the microphone gonna pick all us up. And, and I'm like, one, two, three. That's why at the end of the song, you hear me say, one, two, three, <laughs> so my kids will be on beat. And they all just sung it, and I'm like, yo, y'all killed that. Wow. Like that, yo, I'm actually gonna put my kids on the publishing for that song. Wow. So like, when I die, they'll collect royalties off of that song for the rest of their life, wow. because like, that's that's like they they literally made the song. I saw people commenting that they love the song because of that. I'm like, all right, well, y'all basically made the song. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know how big of an Outcast fan you are, but like in some of the early albums, they also had like I think it was Big Boy's Kids, like Bamboo and Cross. They'd have oh, I didn't hear that. They'd have like interludes with um, his kids on it and stuff like that. So I was like wondering if maybe you got inspiration yeah. from that because you brought up Outcast. Yeah, see, but that's what I'm saying. That type of thing was so big in our culture that my dad played songs in the car when I was younger where kids would be on like the the um the skits and stuff like that. Yeah. So those are the type of things that came to my head uh when I wanted to make that song. And that's actually the reason why I left the the piece on at the end where they're talking, where my son is like, Dad, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason why I left it on there. Cause it sounded like a skit to me yeah. and he was serious. He, he was really like, yo, I'm over this. We done recorded this like four times. I'm ready. Can I go play? I'm like, Jimmy, one more time, one more time, please. He like, all right, all right, all right. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, yo, if people hear that I had this back and forth for him, they would crack up laughing. So I left it on at the end of the song and it just so happened to be people's favorite part of the song, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Because so it funny. wasn't intentional. They're like, what does blue mean on that? That's the microphone brand. <laughs> what, is, what is blue? And she wouldn't, my daughter, she wouldn't even let me talk. I'm sitting here trying to explain, like, look, just stand. She's like, no, but why does it say blue? I'm like, all right, it's the type of microphone it is. Now, can we finish this song, please? <laughs> wow. Wow. Matter of fact, blue should give me a sponsorship for that. There we go. I'm going to to hit them up. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like your dad inspired you to start music. Do you think you're going to be inspiring your kids to start music when they get older as well? Yeah. No, I, I already know I am, which is scary. Um, <laughs> because my daughter, she saw a, a, um, a video that I was watching where I think it was a... Um, I want to say it was a, a singer. I don't know if it was like a hip hop and R&B song, but whatever. It was a girl singing and she was like a Christian artist. I don't, I don't know if it was like Christian rap or if it was just like gospel. And my daughter saw the video, but she was standing behind me or next to me when I was looking at it. And she was like, dad, I want to be like her when I get older. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want you to be a singer, man. This, this man, this, as far as music goes, like these people will pressure you into some crazy, like ridiculous stuff. I don't know. But when I talked to my dad about it, he was just like, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, the, the information that you give to her is going to be the most vital information. So as long as you explain to her that, you know, these people are going to try to pressure you into like ridiculous stuff, then she'll already go into it knowing not to fold to that stuff. So wow. yeah, my kids have already told me that they want to be 
uh, singers. And my daughter said that she wants me to be a pop star. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that's what she said. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So what is some advice? And my son plays the piano. That's awesome. Huh? I was going to say, what is some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Yeah. And that's cool that your son plays yeah. the piano, by the way. <laughs> I um I did an article in um Influensive, and the article was about um using using your pain to uh transform hope into others. So the 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 um like advice that I would give for any artist is <clears throat> take the things that you've been through in life. And even the things that you're still going through in life and turn them around and say, okay, these things have been difficult for me. And these things have been hard for me. How can I turn it into a song where I show somebody else that has went through the same things that I've been through or is going through the same things that I'm going through to say either you're not alone or that, you know, God can get you through it. I think if you do that, you'll be successful no matter what. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to music, people are not looking for um, somebody to just be cool. Like you could be cool. Like I was cool in high school, (laughs) right? But when you get older, it don't matter how cool you are. It matters what impact you have. So at the end of the day, the way that you can have impact is by your testimony. So what you've been through and what you survived from that's what's going to impact other people because that's your testimony. So at the end of the day, take your struggles, you know, take your pain, take your difficulties, put them on the song, intentionally try to make somebody cry. You know what I'm saying? Make them feel something. Intentionally try to make somebody laugh. Intentionally try to make somebody happy because it's going to translate and that's how it's really going to get through to people. And that's what's going to end up being important because down the line, trends are going to pass. Next year, nobody's going to care about the trendy song from this year. However, next year, that song that you made that touched somebody, they're still going to care about that song because that song got them through whatever it is that you you and that person experienced. And I've gotten messages from people, you know, about, you know, what my music meant to them or, 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 or things that it's inspired um, in them, etc. That's what really matters. It don't matter if you're cool because at the end of the day, what's cool today ain't going to be cool tomorrow anyway. So that's really like a high school, like mentality. You know what I mean? So that's, that's really it. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, sorry, I'm being deep again. I'm sorry. It's good. I like that. (laughs) I like that for sure. (laughs) Well, is there any, any notes that you want to talk about or anything else you want to promote? Now we, we kind of got through it. That, that was really the things I wanted to promote. I I really just wanted to um to 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 say like especially for christian artists don't be afraid to be yourself and don't be afraid to use your gift um to serve god because at the end of the day god made you the way he made you he made everybody different for a reason you know what i'm saying so the 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 things that you've been through and the struggles that you've experienced is going to specifically minister to specific people so i can't reach everybody but at the end of the day, we're all supposed to reach somebody different. So um, I just want to encourage people to, you know, be yourself, uh, bear your scars in a way that's meant to heal people. And uh, that's really it. There we go. Awesome. What is the easiest way for people to reach you? 
Um, right now, uh, like I said, I'm transitioning to YouTube. So, you know, youtube.com slash Jimmy Moore. Uh, I'm on Instagram um, at, at underscore Jimmy Moore. And, uh, you know, just like that. There we go. It's the NAS podcast with. And I'm Jimmy Moore. I'm Jimmy Moore. <sighs> you got to do like a sound. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. And, and we did it. Peace.